message, and basically it's a whole series, and um, it's you ask for it. You In Easter of this year, we ask you to, to do a survey on things that you wanted to hear me speak about and things that, would, uh, that you deal with. And the number one, turn to your name and say, here it is. The number one thing was dealing with difficult people. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not you. So we're going to talk about that. Look at the people on the other side. You just be quiet. Pay attention. Take notes. You, you got a handout, and I understand you might be like, I can't see as well to just do with it what you can. Um, we're working, and hopefully in the next few weeks, we're going to have some uh, recessed lighting in here. So then once the, the main service starts, as far as the preaching, teaching starts, these lights you know, will come up, and you'll have a little more view of what you're doing. That's our goal. But I want to talk about how do we handle conflict? How do we handle difficult people? So you can turn to Revelation 2. I'm going to get there in just a second. But if, if I'm asking, how many, if you'd raise your hand, would say, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not now, maybe you are now, or, but you've had to deal with difficult people, would you? Well, now you know why we're talking about that. <laughs> because it is something that we all have to, to deal with, and, and it explains why that's a, a big topic. Um, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian on how we handle that, uh, dealing with difficult people, our MO or our mode of operation, what do we do? I've given, and you can go to your Version Bible and you can get all those. It's on your smartphone. And if you go to our website, it'll tell you how to do that. So you can get all the notes for today, all the scripture, all of that. Plus you have a handout. So that's there for your convenience. But um, so, you know, as a Christian, what do we do different than what everybody else does? And I, I'm you know, I could be the first to tell you how many sometimes you just want to be like, I just want to say what I want to say. And I just want to do what I want to do. And if they haven't been slapped, God, use me to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Somebody, preach it, brother. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that but we've got to. OK, yeah. God, help me be who you want me to be. Now, I heard this saying before. Listen to this. Involvement with people is always a delicate thing. It requires real maturity to become involved and not get all messed up. Isn't that amazing? Everybody says, man, that's, you know why church isn't perfect? Because there's people in it. I mean, we all, we all have things that we got to deal with and we all have stuff that we're looking at. But it's true with all of us when we have to deal with that uh, Charlie Brown, you know, Charlie Brown in, in the comic strip said this and this he was being a philosopher. I love mankind. It's people I hate. <laughs> Have you ever been there? I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, I love church. I just don't like the people there. <laughs> Hopefully that's not this church. <laughs> our happiness will be more greatly determined. Listen, by our ability to relate with one another than by any other single ingredient. I mean, think about this. Everything deals with with people. I can promise you this. The contentment that you find from life will always be from the ability to relate with others in a positive way. So we we need that positive affirmation. We need to be positive. There's a twofold purpose for relationship in Genesis 2.18. And I know I've got you in Revelation, but just hang with me. We're going to we're going to get there. Genesis 2.18 says this, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help meet suitable uh, for him. So there's two reasons why we need to have relationships. Turn to your neighbor and give them the peace sign. Two reasons, okay? There's a couple. I'm just, I mean, here's the ones I have for today. Number one is to prevent isolation. 
God really said we need to have relationships to prevent isolation. I mean, it's okay to be alone. There's times that you need to be alone. Um, but if you're alone all the time, that's not good. All the time. It's great to have some time. How many like just some time to be alone? Sometimes you just like, I love you. Time for you to go home. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or I just need, sometimes I would just go in the woods and Kim would go, you, you, you know, are you going to hunt? Are you even taking your gun? I don't care. I just wanted to go in the woods and sit in the tree stand and go, ah, just because I could diffuse that way. So sometimes alone time is needed, but we don't need it all the time. It's, it's easier to get along with everybody if it's just you. <laughs> Problem starts when everybody else shows up, right? <laughs> Jesus found time alone, but, uh, but you got to find balance. And that's what he had balance. So balance you need. You need to have balance. You need to have where you can have some time where you need to just kind of get your thoughts right and get your, um, your, your mind set on, Lord, what are you telling me to do? And then you need to have a time where you're with other people and you can help be a, an addition to their life. But um, here's a theory on spiritual growth. So I, this, to me, is, is a big deal. Spiritual growth begins in isolation. It starts when you get the plan from God, when you are alone with God, but it grows uh, in a different place. It starts in isolation, but it never grows there. It grows on the road to relationship. So it starts when you go and you say, God, I just need you. You know, Jesus would go and he would, he would download what God would tell him. But now think about this. And when he would implement it, it's, it's when he would go out and he would then had the disciples and he'd interact with people and, and who touched me and, and uh, what do you want me to do? Your faith is go. And he, I mean, all of these different things all happened on the road of relationship. That's where we grow strong. We become sharp. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. We need other people to grow. We really do. Sometimes those people that are giving you the hardest time, they're growing you. Really. Sometimes you don't want to think that, but it'd be easier if they weren't there. But yet they are, God is allowing them to to bring good things out in you, to stretch you, so to speak. We never grow if we are just alone all the time we're never challenged if we don't have others there are always those that want like a cat rubbing a cat backwards there's always those that you just go ah but they need you to show them god and you need them to show you god reminds me of a guy that went into the I don't know if you call it, I guess, a, to be a monk <laughs> in the monastery. So he went, and you're not allowed to talk. And only once a year could you have a review. And so after the first year, the, the headmaster came up and said, so what do you think? And he, he said, bed hard. Went a whole nother year. Headmaster came up to him again. And said, so what do you think? Too quiet. Third year. It's been three years now, sir. What do you think? Food bad. The headmaster said, you know, I don't think you're going to last. You've done nothing but complain since you've been here. <laughs> Isn't that sometimes? If you got something to say, remember your grandma might have told you, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. 
my grams would always say, oh, don't say anything at all. You know, and, but grandma always had a lot to say. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but, you know. Um, but you need, you need some alone time, but you also need some time for other people to help you grow. Here's number two in just why uh, what we need for each other is we need a helper. Adam needed a helper not to cook his meals because they could just pull food from the tree, not to wash his clothes. They weren't any. Um, just saying. Uh, don't look, Ethel. Okay. He did need a helper to help him serve and obey God to the fullest. Say, together, they were a team. And that's what God needs. He needs to help each other. We need each other to make and do and accomplish what he's called us to do. I'm going to give you seven things this morning. Seven rules for right relationships. Seven rules for right relationships. So here's number one, because we've got some to cover and we've got just a little bit of time. Uh, number one is confront with care. Now, had you turn to Revelation 2, we see Jesus confronting the church. And I want to show you and I want you to notice how he did it. What we find, whether in church or no matter what, we find people that are, <laughs> instead of going to the person they got a problem with, they do all kinds of unbiblical things. You know what I'm saying? Instead of going to the throne or going to the person, they go to the phone. Or they go to everybody else and wanna, wanna, wanna. And we've all been guilty of that. So I'm not trying to say I've never done that. I'm just trying to say that's stuff that we have to watch. Jesus has given us an example here, Revelation 2, 2 and 3. This is what it says. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So when Jesus confronted, he did a few things here, and one of the things he did was he focused on the good. Don't you love people that focus on good things? You can find good if you look for it, just like you can find bad. A lot of times, that's why the news, how many times do we hear good things on the news? This is what happened today. 14 houses burned down. You know, instead of, hey, great, this is a good thing that happened today. We usually don't hear that. We could focus on good. Jesus talked about their good traits. Secondly, he acknowledged their loyalty. Loyalty is a big deal. Loyalty is a big deal. One of the most damaging things we can do and say is that loyalty is not what it should be. So we need to understand loyalty. It's one thing to make a mistake. Listen to me. It's totally another thing to become a traitor. You know what I mean? So it's one thing to do something wrong and be sorry about it, but, it, but if we do the one thing and then that thing becomes your label, we have to be careful of that. So loyalty is, is strong. So we want to make sure that we do what we're supposed to do. So when Jesus confronted the church in Ephesus, he said, I want you to know that I've witnessed your good deeds and do not in any way question your loyalty to me. So he's already telling them, look, I understand where you stand. It's cool. So he's given them some good stuff. And, then, and the third thing is he, or, or C, he stated the problem. Revelation 2, 4, and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly. Remove your lampstand from the place unless you repent. So he spoke very clearly of their problem. He told them what it was. He just said this. He spelled it out. Now, I'm going to encourage you uh, and there really is no easy way if you have a difficult person in your life to sometimes deal with difficult things. If, if it's a boss or whatever, and if it's your authority, you can do what you want. You might not have a job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them off. Well, you can, but you might not be working tomorrow. And then you got to pay for things. Okay, and then we blame God. God, you lost my job. No, you didn't use self-control and you shot your mouth off. 
So we've got to understand discipline and those Christian, what, God, what, what, how do you want me to handle this? Man, I had a tough boss. I had a tough boss in ministry. And, and when he was good, he was really good. He was good to me when he was good. But he was kind of different. You know, he would kind of almost, what's that, bipolar type almost. Kind of like one minute he's this way and the next minute he's this way. And he's a good guy. I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it was very hard to work because he was insecure and he focused on some things that were just like, were not true. And I, I'm, I was beside myself. You ever felt like that? Oh, there's nothing I can do right. Because he, when he's in a bad mood and he's on the other side, you know, it's kind of like, hi there. <laughs> you know, if he's on that end, that's bad. So no matter what I did, it was like he was looking for the bad. So I'm like, God, how do I do this? So I got some wisdom. I got some counsel. Turn to your neighbor and say, other people can help you. So I said, how do I do this? And here's what the counsel was. Don't give him opportunity. Don't sit there and wait for the other shoe to drop because he's doing this. Go on the offensive. Lord, how do you want me to handle this? So this was the advice. Wait for him in the morning. Find out how he likes his coffee. Fix his coffee the way he likes it. Ask him what you want him to do. What does he get you on? Turn it around the other way. I mean, you know, I would have plans for the whole day of here's what I got to do. I got to do this with the youth. I got to do that. I got to do this. And he'd come in and he'd say, I need you to do this, this and this. Okay, but you asked me to do that. Don't tell me what I ask you to do. You know, that kind of thing. You go, okay. You know, so I would just come in and go, boss, what do you want me to do today? And I gave him his coffee and, and I said, hey, man, it's going to be a great day today. What do you want me to do? Hey, do you want me to do your hospital visits today? I'll, I'll do those when, when I do mine. And, and it totally dismantled that situation. Because what could he say? I mean, you might say, Brett, you were being a brown nurse. You call it whatever you want. I wasn't doing anything that disobeyed God. I wasn't doing anything that disobeyed integrity. I wasn't compromising my integrity. He is my spiritual boss and authority. I'm going to honor that. And by doing that, I'm honoring God. Are you hearing me? Because what you have here has to first go here. So if you have a difficult boss, how can I, how can I change that? So I'd have his coffee ready. I'd bring him things. I found out what kind of things he liked in the morning for sandwiches and stuff and i'd stop on the way to work and get him and i didn't do it all the time because you know you do it too much it's kind of like that really gets bad but i'd just be the coffee i would do every morning i would do that and then on sundays i'd be like hey boss i got all this stuff ready for you hey you know and i mean he didn't know how to take that it literally took him back but it it, it actually took the fire out of all of the hmm. and to this day as far as i know we're still friends Jesus spelled it out. So you're going to have to get it out. You're going to have to lay it out. Now, we did have some of that talk before that happened. I I talked to him and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I agitate you. I don't know what's going on. We did. That was not easy. Sometimes it's not easy, but you get it out. You lay it out. Number or D number D (laughs) number D (laughs) the fourth thing here. Jesus offered a solution. He offered a simple solution. And he shared with them what they could do to get that relationship back on track. So just, you know, don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. God, what can I do to help? How can I help? See, and some of that might be something when you got alone. How could I help? This is bothering me. So you give it to the Lord. He gives you an answer. Then you need to go back with the people, help the relationship. And then you just work that out. Here's number two of our seven. Watch God reveal your weakness through others. How many has that ever happened to 
Now think about, I'm going to show you here. In Genesis 29, I'm going to give you a story. So many times we have relationship problems with somebody else. And we find that the thing that we really dislike about them is one of our own personal weaknesses. Isn't that the way it goes? We don't like to admit that. But sometimes we're like, the very thing that grates you could be something that's like, hmm, maybe it is our problem as well. Maybe not to the extent of theirs, but that's why we can understand it. Here's an example. Remember Jacob deceived his brother Esau. You remember that? Went to his father and put on the furry thing and all that. Stole the birthright and all that. And, and he took off to his uncle Laban's house. He found out his uncle Laban was also a deceiver. So he got to Laban's house. And he worked seven years for beautiful Rachel. And he just, wow, she was just like, woohoo! Seven years. And he didn't get Rachel. He got plain Leah. And he said, what is it that you've done to me? Didn't I work for you? I served you, and, and why have you deceived me? Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Now, have you ever heard that saying, what goes around comes around, or what comes around goes, I don't know which way that goes, but it's coming around. You, you see, sometimes we think we got away with You didn't get away with anything. God sees all of that stuff, and that stuff, that's why some of that stuff has to be broken because you want to go past. You want these relationships to grow and to flourish. And you want to see yourself better than you were or than you have been. God knew Jacob needed to have that shared with him. Sometimes we need to see something and then go, I need to correct that in myself. I need to fix that. Maybe it's not to the degree that you saw but it's one of those that God is trying to show you something and you need to thank the Lord and say, you know what? Help me, God. Help me to learn so that I, I can be better. Here's number three. Don't compare yourself with others. Paul said in 2 Corinthians ten twelve, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, <laughs> There may be more than this, but there to me, as I've grown up, 55, uh, three types of, I've just put them in, three types of vulnerable people that I've noticed probably more, and I, there could be more, but this is three, and I think you can relate to these. Number one is teenagers. Teenagers tend to, and I love students, but they tend to compare themselves with everybody else. Are you wearing the right kind of clothes? Do you have an iPhone? Do you have Nike, or do you have Under Armour? Under Armour is big. And, you know, if you don't wear this or if you didn't wear that. And I remember even when I was in school, I had, um, how many remember Wells or Hills? How many about those shoes? You know, hey, you can buy these tennis shoes for $3. There's a reason they were $3. Because they didn't last more than three days. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. And, you know, boy, you wanted to have Levi's. I didn't have Levi's. Mom always bought me, what, JCPenney? Plain pockets. Okay. You know, it is what it is. But, you know, as a kid, you feel that comparison pressure. You feel that, oh, I want, you know, there's all of that. Now, here's another one. Women have a tendency to do this. And I'm going to need to ride home. So, thank you. <laughs> women, you know, girls are amazing. I mean, I obviously, got, you know, women, ooh, I have one. Yes. Well, at least I had one. I'm hoping I still do in a minute. <laughs> But, I mean, if you watch girls, sometimes women think that, that guys were like, have you ever seen girls watch other girls? 
Man, you girls are like, a girl walk in, you'll be like, look at their earrings, look at their hair, look at their shoes, look at their bag, look at their clothes. <laughs> You're styling. Girl, you got it going on. Oh, whoa, whoa. I mean, they got all this stuff. So they have a tendency to compare. You know, we need this. We need, sometimes she'll tell me, oh, this is this. I'm like, what is that? Oh, you don't know, but it's, it's really big now. Whatever that is. And I don't, know, I don't understand, you know, there's all these comparisons with makeup and all earrings and whatever. Okay, so we're past women, but I'm just saying I've noticed that. Uh, and here, how about this? Competitive people is the third one. Competitive people, they're real competitive. They compare a lot. How fast did you get it done? I got it done in this. What kind of car do you have? I have this. You know, they, they're always comparing. They're always looking. And it's not really healthy we need to understand we're we're made differently thank the lord we're different we don't all look the same we're we're not all made the same i mean we're made with god yes but we all are we have different strengths and and weaknesses we have different personalities here's number four of our seven blow up bitterness if you've got bitterness in your life blow it up get rid of it because bitterness will kill you There's a difference between being angry and being bitter. Anger comes and it goes. You can get mad and you can get unmad again. You know what I'm saying? You'll be happy one one more time again. You just got to let it go. But bitterness stays because it has a root. It has a root. It's no wonder Hebrews refers to bitterness as a bitter root. Because it'll just stay. It'll lodge. it'll, It'll dig and weave its way down in there. And then every time any of that thought comes, it's bitter. You have to blow bitterness up. Sometimes as we get older, we get more set in our ways. We've got to be sensitive to not take it out and just let bitterness take its place. Here's some ways that we can, you know, because I think bitterness is something when we're dealing with difficult people, they're just mad. You know, they used to say if, if a dog is hurt, don't go over and try to touch the dog because it could be a very friendly dog, but it's hurt. So it, it could bite you. Sometimes I think we bite because we're hurt, we're mad, we're, we're bitter. We've been done wrong, somebody did us wrong, this is this, and we've let this root get down in, and, and so when someone comes over, you just, but I need to, and you know, we're just mad, and inside, you can almost hear yourself being mad, but you're saying, I don't really mean all that, I'm, I'm just hurting. So how can we get rid of bitterness, Brett? Let me give you a five- uh, quick steps to get rid of bitterness. I told you I have a lot to cover because you gave me a subject that was big. But we'll get it done. It's only 944, so we can get it done. Confess it to God's number one. Tell God what's going on. Just confess it to God. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess that bitterness of sin to God. God, I don't want to be upset about it anymore. I want to give that to you. I'm tired of letting bitterness run my life. Ask God to help, number two. Say, I'm, I'm going to need your help here because this, this bitterness has become bigger than I need it to be. I need your help. So you're going to confess it. That's exposing it to God. You're going to ask him to help, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives and he who uh, seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. So situations that you're dealing with, it, you're either going to make yourself better or bitter. I choose better. What are you going to allow in your life? 
Don't let bitterness take a root. And here's the thing. How do I know if it's taking a root? If that's all you dwell on, that's all you think on, it's, it's taking a root. You've got to break it. You've got to confess that to God, ask him to help, and get that out. Okay? Number three, forgive everyone who has offended you. <laughs> that's why I'm bitter, Brett. I get it. For, you're going to have to forgive them. I want them to ask. You might wait your whole lifetime and they never ask. You forgive them for you to go on in peace and to live your life to the fullest. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You got to forgive them. You just got to forgive them because you need that. Here's number four. Ask God to heal you. So you've asked him for help. You're going to forgive them. And now if you're going to pull weeds, you've got to plant flowers. Okay? So you're going to say, God, I need you to heal me. Psalm 147.3. God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. So let God just begin to, you know, and begin to just say, all right, I'm not, that's not me anymore. And if that keeps coming up in your mind, no, I forgave them. I'm forgiving them. Thank you, God. I've forgiven them. Here's number five. Deal quickly with your anger because sometimes you see something it triggers it just makes you mad. You ever have that? It's just because it's been it's so long and it just as soon as you hear it you want to ah. Okay, so deal with it quickly. Ephesians four twenty six. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So just God, I don't want to be angry. Take that. I'm going to change my train of thought. So now we're back to our original list of seven. Here's number five of our seven. <laughs> Repay your offenders with kindness. So we talked about pulling weeds and planting flowers. Here we go. This is me bringing the coffee. Here's a donut. Hey, you like this breakfast sandwich? Brett, I am not doing Okay, you don't have to. I'm just telling you, I asked God what I needed to do. This is what I needed to do. And can I say this? If God gives you a plan, it will work. It worked. It changed everything. All right. So repay your offenders with kindness. First, hard to say Thessalonians and not sound like I'm lifting, doesn't it? First Thessalonians, first Thessalonians 515. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. So Peter stresses this, uh, this in first Peter three, nine, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Can I say I'm guilty of some of that? Have you ever been where it's tit for tat? Well, let me tell you what you did. Well, let me tell you. Ah, well, my and pretty soon, it just becomes this badminton match or tennis match back and forth. You're not getting anything, but you're giving anger. You're giving bitterness. You're giving all of that dysfunction in your job place or in your home or in your family, just letting it have all the elbow room at once. It takes two people to argue. You're going to have to pull some weeds and replace some flowers. So sometimes you might just have to say, you know what? I love you. I don't want to argue. It's not easy. It's so many times it's easier to talk it than to walk it, isn't it? It's easier when we're not in that situation to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But in the middle of that situation, it's tougher to walk it out. I'm going to tell you a very quick story. When I was a kid, uh, me and Mike and Ricky Salyer, you don't know any of these guys, but we went and stole some cherry tomatoes. Three or four houses down from where we live. My sister will vouch for this story, I think. But, uh, you know, 
We went and stole them and cherry tomatoes out of, you know, tomatoes right from a garden. Have you ever just pulled one off the vine and wiped it off and then just ate it? You know, you see, you listen to the kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Because there's something about just a garden fresh tomato. You know, it was awesome. So we did, we're taking these cherry tomatoes and we're just like popping them in our mouth. And, you know, a couple of them, hey, you know, the guy caught us. Hey, you kids, why you got all my tomatoes? And he was a mean, mean old guy. Nobody liked him. Everybody took off. We all ran. I went back and went up to his door. And he came to the door. Hey, you little kids, don't buy tomatoes. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. None of the other guys did that. But I did. My mom, I can't even remember if my mom made me do that. I don't think. I just went and did it. He was, he, he was mad, but he respected the fact that I went back. And so he gave me work to do. I, I think I ended up telling my parents, then I had to go down and I had to uh, sweep off his back patio. He had a basketball court, and it was in that little place we called the shade in the country back there. And, and uh, I had to sweep all that off and help him clean out his garage because that's what he gave me to do. And I did it. And then I was allowed to play basketball back there. And I remember shooting a basketball back there because it was awesome. For me, because we didn't have that. And he came out and he brought me cookies and milk. And I remember Mike and Ricky are like, (laughs) they weren't allowed because they didn't come back. Now, Brett, what are you telling me this story for? I'm telling you that just like I'm trying to teach you, it got laid out, it got dealt with, and now it got repaired because he, it helped him, and it helped me. And so when we start dealing with all of this stuff, and we start saying, oh, God, it's wonderful to, to finally get that and walk it out and see what God does. Number six of our seven, share the joys of another's success. Romans twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I think it's easier sometimes to weep with those who weep than to rejoice with those who rejoice. And the reason is, is we tend to be, we live in a culture that is more of a jealous, competitive culture. If it happened to you, why didn't it happen to me? Where's my share? Why didn't I get it? How come? How, what are you going to do? It never happens to me. It only happens for you and blah, 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 and yada, da. And so we, you know, and then we don't want to rejoice in their success, but we want them to rejoice in ours. How selfish is that? But really, if we pulled away and looked at it, isn't that how it is? See, the true test of a real friend is I'm going to rejoice when it, success hits you, even if it doesn't hit me. That's hard. But if we're dealing with difficult people, that's God working on us. Sometimes, have you ever found that difficult people, sometimes good things happen to difficult people, and you want to go, what? I mean, come on. I have been doing, you know, it's kind of like the prodigal son. I've been with you the whole time. And and Junior Jumpstart here goes off and does all his thing and comes back and kill the fatted calf, put a robe on him, put a ring. Woohoo! You almost, that's, that's this guy's reaction. What? I've been here the whole time. God, don't you see? And I've seen it in ministry. I've had to deal with it myself. Bottom line is, it's about our heart. It's about yielding to God because God sees everything. There's nothing hidden from him. Nothing. He sees everything. And when we say, you know what, I'm going to rejoice in their success. 
success will find you as well. Because God says there's a season to exalt and all that. He has a time when it will happen for you. But, you know, during that time, you need to, to rejoice with those that good things happen to and just, yes. And when something isn't so good, be their friend there and say, I'm here for you. You know, when something good happens, I know my wife is there. When something bad happens, I know my wife is there. That's a good feeling. Listen to me. Listen to me. Not just even my wife. My sister is back there. I've always loved my sister. Not always for what she's done to me, but because she's my sister. (laughs) But when Kim and I were first married, our first child, the Lord spoke to my sister and said, You pray for your brother because he will have need of you. And she didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. But our first child was a stillborn. And I didn't have to look very far to find a sister that didn't have answers, that had love, and said, I've been praying for you for months, and I didn't know why. We need each other. God is setting things up. Now, I'm not believing anything bad will happen to you but what i'm telling you is this you can rejoice with other success because success will find you just you know sometimes success is just being happy letting bitterness go wouldn't that be successful i mean just saying you know what i can go to sleep and be good i can laugh and not worry david and jonathan had a great relationship so much that saul was Jonathan said was was jealous of David. And even one statement, he said, we're going to get rid of this guy or he's going to take the throne. And Jonathan could have said, hey, that's my throne. I'm the rightful guy. But Jonathan, he had he just rejoiced because sometimes somebody else could be better for it than you are. Now, I love my my new son in law. Justin, I call him J.D. Where is he at? There he is. He's over there. I love this about him. This is a great trait. You know, they just bought a house. Kim and Justin just bought a house. Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah, Mallory and Justin. See, I looked at Kim. See, I got Kim on my mind. I got Kim on my mind. Okay, back to my message. He applied at at, at a place uh, for employment, and he saw the qualifications of this job. And he would like that job, but he knows somebody that he feels would be better for that job. I mean, shut the front door. The dude's looking for a job here, and he's endorsing someone else. That's a good trait. That's a good quality, because you know what he's saying? I appreciate you as a friend. I see good things in you. And man, if God is telling me you're better qualified for this than me, then he's got a place for me as well. That is a mature, good point there. He didn't know I was going to do that, but I just want to say, you rock, J.D., you rock. That's awesome. The ultimate test of friendship is how do we feel? How do we handle when other successes around us? We need to be okay with that. Rejoice. Here's our last point for today. Tell them. 2 Timothy 1, 3, and 4. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Let me close with this point. I think many relationships could be cured if somebody in that relationship would just step out 
and take the risk of saying, I love you. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You're special. I want this to continue. I, I want to add, you know, whatever the, the statement would be. And a lot of times we don't because we don't want to take the risk because what if we took the risk and there's just dead silence? We don't want to express appreciation if we're not going to get it in return. Can I say the key is you express it because your desire and your goal is not only because you will get it in return. That's a what's in it for me attitude. I'm going to express it because it's the right thing to do. What you do with it, that's totally up to you. But for me and my house, that's how we serve the Lord. I'm going to express it because it's what I should do. I'm going to tell you. Can I say that your relationships, you know what? You need to honor and you need to, to enjoy them. We get to go to my sister's from time to time and we celebrate birthdays. And, and a big shout out to Jay Ray. Had a birthday uh, wherever Jay's at. There he is back there. And is that one of the most wonderful guys you're ever going to meet is right back in the back there. That guy is awesome. But what I'm telling you is when we get with, we just have a great time. And it's not, we don't, it's not structured. It's just, you get me, Jay, Jeff, Katie, Amy, you get all of us together, JD, Mal, and Zach. Oh, dear Lord, get Zach in that mix. And, and, and Sam and Hannah, we get all together and, and there's just, I mean, sometimes we're laughing so hard we're holding our sides and just having a good time. You know, I, I'm telling you why you have to enjoy your life now. Enjoy your life now. Kim and I can tell you, it just seemed like yesterday, you know, the kids were just so little and, and they had their cowboy outfits on and the boys are coming out in their underwear with their things all strapped there. Come on, let's go play, you know, and all that kind of stuff. There's a word picture you needed today. But I'm just telling you, you know, Mao in a big bonnet with a basket going, let's go out in the yard and play Anne of Green Gables. You know, and the and you know, Zach would be like, I ain't doing that. Sam, bless Sam's heart, Sam would say, okay, let's go. You know, and Maddie, she would just go wherever, the, you know, whatever, they'd pull her into doing it. We'd, we'd play games in the backyard and it would just crack me up. The kids, we play daddy in the backyard, which is kind of like ghost in the graveyard, if you remember that game. I'd be hiding somewhere. They don't know where I'm at. These kids of mine would be like, Maddie, go on. He's over. See if he's behind the barn. <laughs> She's like three, you know. I mean, what I'm saying, cherish that stuff. Love the times that you have together. Love on each other. I mean, maybe it's not perfect, but you don't even know this person's gone or this person, then enjoy who's there. Celebrate who's celebrating now because you know what? That person that may not be watching, they're really probably finding out and watching. And you need to show them how good God is. That you are not manipulated or controlled by the enemy or, or other things. You're controlled by God. I yield to him. You have a choice. I can either get better or I can get bitter. Let every relationship make us better for the kingdom, better for your family, better for your job. Lord, how do you want me to handle my boss? How could I change my attitude? What could I do different? Let God give you a plan. That person at work, you know, and maybe there's no getting around some of those people. Just do what the Lord tells you. Just you know, if they provoke you, find out how they do it and then just make up your mind, I won't be provoked. Whatever it takes, 
deal with whatever you need to deal with, but let God rule and reign in your life. You bow your heads, please. The prayer team's going to meet towards.